You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily local sports podcast network. I'm Chris Manning, your host and the site manager over at fearthesword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. A five-star review is the best way to support the show, and you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. On today's show, I am going to get into the Cavs' ugly loss to the Pistons on Saturday, as well as their 107-93 win against the Magic on Sunday. And lastly, I'm going to finish up with a dive into Kyle Sexton and how he's playing with Kevin Love so far. You'll also hear from Larry Nance after the Pistons game and then hear from Kevin Love after the Magic game from their post-game media sessions. Of course, Kevin Love does not play Saturday. A big, big reason why I think the Cavs looked so terrible. So my first takeaway from that Cavs-Pistons game was that it was maybe the ugliest game I've seen from this Cavs group in a long time, especially since Kevin's come back. Again, a lot of that has to do with him not playing And the entire offense, the entire team looks rudderless without him on the floor to really ground them, to really center them, to really give them direction. Every player and Larry Drew that spoke after Saturday's loss said not having Kevin is not an excuse, but it is clear that this group does need him to be better. It needs Kevin Love on the floor in order to raise them up to a certain level of quality. Without him, there's no one to run an offense through. There's no one to space the floor for Colin Sexton drives. There's no one to really serve as a decoy for other guys. If you just look at some of the sets the Cavs ran against the Magic or sets they're running in other games, when Kevin Love is on the floor, a pick and roll with Sexton and Nansport, let's say, is going to be more effective with him there because that paint is going to be less crowded when whoever's guarding Kevlum has to chase him to the corner. Or if he just sits in the corner and they run other stuff, it just creates more room for everyone else to operate in. Something like a David Nawaba, Larry Nance pick and roll, which we've seen work this year and seen work lately, works better when Love is on the floor because he can sag off that other side and he can make those defenders actually pay attention to him and make the lane more open. Kevin Love matters. That, to me, is the biggest reason why they lost to the Pistons. A bunch of other reasons that they lost, but it is what it is. So Marquise Chris um, was really, really bad in this game. The botch dunk he had, which you can find, I tweeted the video of it on, on my Twitter account. Shouts to the great Jackson Frank for kind of bringing, making me want to go do that. And Mike Zevgano uh, did that as well. But that will be the big thing people talk about. But Marquise Chris had three first half travel calls. He had a moving screen to start the second half. He did not have a good game on Sunday either. I'm going to not talk about him after we're done here because I just don't want to talk about Marquise Chris anymore. I don't really see the value in Marquise Chris at this point. He's clearly very bad. He's clearly super raw, a bajillion years away from being good, has a lot of baseline level things you should just know when you're an NBA player that he doesn't know how to do. 
I think if that's a guy you want to see if you can get something out of, I think a two-way deal is the most I would bring him back on at this point. Um, he has, he just is a useless basketball player at this point. I don't think he's worth the roster spot. I'm fine keeping him for the rest of the year. I'm fine seeing what you could get out of him. He had a really good start to his Cavs tenure. He's super athletic and everything, but that guy has no idea how to play basketball. And uh, I think Saturday's game is, a, is a, the biggest example I've ever seen of that. So I like what Brandon Knight is doing. Um, one of the things I do like from this game is that Brandon Knight, although he didn't shoot well inside the arc, he did make and take some threes. Um, he's got a really nice range on a shot. He's got a really nice, um, he's got a really nice ability to make shots and to really space the floor around what he's doing. Um, he's a guy that I think, in the in an opposite vein of Matthew Delavadova, can be a combo guard, right? Like Delhi is a defensive first guard he's a guy that you're going to throw out there because he can pair well with jordan clarkson he can defend the opposing team's best one or two clarkson can slide on the other guy and you can get away with um that lineup at least in your mind you can with with knight with colin sexton he can bring up the ball if he needs to he can space the floor off the ball he can cut and he served as, a, as really the fifth option on these lineups right now i think he works in the starting five we're seeing the Cavs use or the versions of it we're seeing him use with kevin love i like what he's doing I like that he's he's getting a chance to really rebuild his career after that ACL tear. I think he has value. I, I like what I've seen from Brandon Knight. Um, he's probably been the best guy of the guys they got at the deadline. I think he's probably been the best guy they got. I like that David Nawaba and Larry Nance both hit two threes in this game. I like that David Nawaba is getting his threes in the corner. I wish he had gotten to make one more because he was very close to passing his career high. He hit two early and then didn't really do anything else from three. But I like that those guys are taking and making threes. It is going to increase their value, increase their effectiveness, and it's a really big thing. You do not need to watch this game. If you miss this game, if you uh, just want to look at the box score, listen to this podcast, read it if you're the sword, this was a waste of a game. Deflating game for the Cavs, just utterly, really bad. If we're looking at the biggest thing that came out of Saturday, it's that Channing Fry um, announced his retirement. Channing Fry is going to be done at the end of the year. He hinted at this in an Instagram post, confirmed it in a Twitter post, and uh, did get to play in this game. But this game was really bad, and I think Channing should never have to buy a meal or a drink or whatever in Cleveland ever again. He is an icon. He will be missed. He is beloved. I cannot wait to see what he does next with Road Trip. And um, he is going out, I think, at a, at a time when he's very comfortable going out. The Cavs will miss his locker room presence. I think Kevin, if he's around next year, will will miss having his buddy around too. But Channing Fry, after 13 years, is going to retire. Um, a good NBA player, a solid NBA player. The Cavs do not win the 2016 title without him. You can read that great Jackie Mack feature on his impact on the locker room to read that. That, to me, is the thing I care most about coming out of Saturday. Um, sucks to see him go. I think everyone sort of knew this was the case. Again, he confirmed it in a Twitter post on Saturday. So that's it. The Cavs got the crap kicked out of them by the Pistons. The Pistons were a lot better. The Pistons are a playoff team in the East. The Cavs didn't have Kevin Love, and that is that. We're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear from Larry Nance and how kind of upset he seemed after Cavs-Pistons, and then we're going to come back to talk about Cavs magic. So stay tuned for more of this episode of Locked on
you know, they uh, they kind of came out and punched us right in the mouth early. You know, Reggie Jackson getting, I think he started five for five, something like that, and he just uh, was, was really was really hurting us. And then it just continued with Luke Kennard, and obviously those two bigs are tough to handle. So I think it was just a uh, um, lack of aggressiveness. And also, uh, just judging your team's effort tonight, you said lack of aggressiveness, but how about the energy? Um, not pleased with it. You know, from from top to bottom, you know, is um, you know it's easy to it's easy to point fingers and blame one another, but um, yeah, and that's certainly what I thought we did tonight. There was a whole lot of finger pointing, and and I thought we took a step back. You know, even without Kev, you know, it, it shouldn't have been a forty point game, and and you know, it's something that that we gotta um, look in the mirror tonight and and, uh, and come back tomorrow with a better attitude. All right, we are back. This is Chris Manning, your host of Lockdown Cavaliers. Let's get into Cavs Magic. A very good win for the Cavs. The Magic are a borderline playoff team. They just beat the Warriors. Uh, they were the sixth best defense in the NBA for the month of February. Steve Clifford has them playing Steve Clifford brand basketball. It's a solid team. It's This is a good win for the team, a, a good feather in their cap. Caveat for me on this one. I went and watched this game from not media row and not on television i watched this from a seat all i had was a reporter's notebook so i didn't take notes the way i normally do i'm planning on watching this game hopefully monday evening to just sort of digest it in the way i normally would and pull out what i would really value the reason i did that is because i'm writing something i'm very excited to get a chance to write this week so i hope you check that out at fear the sword that's all i can really say right now but check out Fear the sword hopefully by like Thursday, and there's going to be something I worked on by going to this game that I'm really, really excited for people to read. Um, Shouts to my therapist as well for helping me kind of set this up. But this was a game that was very fun to be at live. It was very fun to see them play a certain brand of basketball, especially after that 15-point fourth quarter to come out and and score 40 points in the fourth was, was really solid. So for me, what sticks out of this game was really the play. So Larry Nance Jr. hitting that three late in the fourth to put an exclamation point on this win was really positive. That was really good to see. He hit the shot. He celebrated it. The arena ate it up. Loved it. You had Jetty Osmond waving off Kevin Love, like, like, nah, dog, I got this, pushing off everyone and hitting that three to really put another dagger on the magic and prompt the timeout and then just having fun with it and how everyone just like on the bench loved that he did it was really fun. These are fun, confidence-building things, and you could run down this roster and like everyone except the the player who I will not, I cannot say his name again on this podcast because I swore I wouldn't. Pretty much had a good game. You look at Matthew Delavadova, hit a couple big threes, was really moving the ball well, fighting on defense, doing some really really good work off the bench. Jordan Clarkson hit a masterful three in the fourth, hit, a, hit another dagger three in that fourth, uh, like Nance, like Jetty, as part of that forty point barrage in the fourth. These guys made big shots, they came up big, they played like the veterans the Cavs need them to be, and they are benefiting from Kevin Love too. The Cavs and another advantage they had in this game, after only going to the line four times in the first half, if I'm correct there, ended up going to the line 23 times in this game, and they made 21 of those foul shots. The Magic finished 9 of 11 from the line. That 12-point advantage in terms of made free throws and the 12-shot difference is a huge reason why the Cavs ended up winning this game by 14. Orlando was making some tough shots. They went on runs. They went on runs that really pushed the Cavs. For the game, Orlando actually had um, a slightly better headache. They were much worse on offense 
but they actually shot a little bit better from the field, took more shots than the Cavaliers, but they were worse from three, and then the, the free throw line um, is where they just didn't get any work. I mean, you look at who, Kevin Love, set eight free throws in this game, make seven of them. You had uh, Colin Sexton getting four, Clarkson getting five, Stauskas Nawaba getting two, and Chris, um, who is, dang it, I said his name, got two as well, making one. So those guys getting those free throws, that math advantage just pays off for the Cavs, and when the three-pointer thing doesn't, that matters. And the Cavs, by the way, did make 14 threes in this game. That's 32%. That's not super good, but it is another game, the ninth game in a row, I think, where they've made at least 10 threes, which which isn't nothing. And a lot of that is is Kevin being back. I like what Nick, Nick Stauskas did in this game. He got a little bit more burn than I think we've seen him get. He obviously has kind of been playing in situations where they want to go a little bit smaller. Chris has just kind of been ahead of him because Larry Drew, for I think just function of the roster reasons, likes to play two bigs together. Saskas plays 14 minutes in this one, still less than than um, Marquise Chris, the player who will not be named, but ends up making uh, ends up going plus 17 in this game. Chris was a positive as well, but that is what it is. Uh, Makes two free throws, makes one three, did a better job on defense than he did on Luke Kennard on Saturday, had three rebounds as well, and had a really, really impressive dunk where he got up um, and, and just was a, a very vicious dunker. So a sneaky, vicious dunk from, from one Nick Stauskas in this one. Again, I, I made this case earlier on this week. I think for him, he is a has the potential to be more u- useful to this Cavs team now and moving forward for them, and I think... I, I would like to see Nick Stauskas get a little bit more burn. Um, I'm curious to see what the roster really is going to look like when Tristan is back. And there's there's bigger questions than what is Nick Stauskas to the role. But he wasn't unproductive with the Blazers. Certainly got fell out of that rotation. Became expendable for a reason. I'm not sure he's like any worse than Rodney Hood. And that's not the you know the sexiest thing I've ever said about a player. And like Rodney Hood's not good, but. Uh, I, I would like to see Stauskas and see if the Cavs could get something out of him because they need wings and they need shooting. And I'll just say this. The 15-point third quarter was a disaster. I was convinced, as was my buddy that I was with at this game, I was convinced that the Cavs were going to lose this one. And I was like, okay, that just helps that helps some tank. That's tank feel for this team. But that 40-point fourth quarter, for them to to not – the flip a switch is, is a weird way of putting it, but let's just call it that, that for now, I guess – that 40-point fourth was as good of a resilient flip-a-switch moment as I've seen from this Cavs team this year. The locker room, from what I can tell, from what David Zavok told me, from the videos I've seen of the post-game scrums, seemed happier. Um, it seemed a little bit more jovial. This is a group that I think, with Kevin back, does feel more confident when they have an all-star caliber player around to help them. They're coming together, and I think that's good to see. I don't, th- I, you know, I th- if you look at the 538 Carmelo team predictions. This is not a team that is still, you know, predicted to like win a bunch of games or like, um, you know, be necessarily that good. But the Cleveland Cavaliers are like a better team when they have Kevin Love. You can there's this residual effect when he is like on the floor and he is on the team and he's like playing and they know they have they can bank on this guy. Again, this is not a good team. If you look at the 538 projections, they are predicted to be the third worst team in the league. They are going they are on they are they are projected to have the worst point differential in the league at negative 9.9. The best projection by the way is the Bucks at 0.9 point, at 0.94. 
positive. The Cavs are negative 9.9. That is how much farther they are away. They're projected to win a whopping 19 games based on the Carmelo rankings, and they are atrocious based on these metrics. And I think by any metric, they are not good. They have a really hard schedule the rest of the way, but they are playing more competently. They are playing like an actual NBA team instead of a walking tank. And I think that's at least positive to see. And you should, if you're a fan, if you're just like watching competent basketball and you happen to watch the Cavs for whatever reason, that should give you optimism. And I think this is better than watching the, the, the frankly crap that was they were putting on the court the rest of the year. All right, we're going to take one more break here from our great sponsors, and then we're going to get into Kevin Love and Colin Sexton, how they're working together to be better, basically. So stay tuned for more of this episode of Locked on Cavaliers for Monday, March 4th. This is the ninth straight game that you guys have made at least 10 three pointers. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Does coincide yeah. at your return? Yeah, no, I think uh, more than anything, it's been uh, Jetty, Colin, Deli, um, even our bigs just, just setting the screens uh, in the half court. But I'm, and, and those guys I mentioned, they're, they're uh, being nice to start the game too. Like they're getting it out in transition. So uh, you know, they're forcing those guys to. On the other team, whether it be the bigs or the smalls, to retreat, um, you know, we're getting it in, inside. We're, we're uh, attacking closeouts, and we're, we're kicking out to the three. I can remember uh, down the stretch, and a, a huge play for us when Jetty hit that three in the corner was set the angle, pick and roll, flipped it. Um, I slipped out. Uh, JC could have sl- slot cut, but we had uh, we had Larry in the dunker. He caught it, uh, drove middle. You know, kind of faked the pass, jumped up, hit Jetty in the corner. Jetty hit the three, and that was just a, a monster play for us. But that was that was the, the the flow that we had tonight, and guys have been stepping up and hitting with a lot of confidence. But I think even in practice too, which which you guys don't see, is just our our willingness to to, to really share the ball. All right, last segment for this week: the Monday, March fourth episode of Lockdown Cavaliers. Colin Sexton is 100% benefiting from Kevin Love, but I'm going to rewind this a little bit before we get into that. A stat to me that says a lot about the Cavs season is that Colin Sexton going into Sunday's game, and I haven't checked this since, so keep that in mind here. He had played 23, around 23 minutes more with J.R. Smith this season going into Sunday's game than he had with Kevin Love. That's crazy. That tells you everything you need to know. J.R. Smith is basically banished from this team. He has um, been put into purgatory. He has been, been exiled from the Cavs. He's been sent to the the wall. If if the Cavs are a northern house in, in Westeros, they have sent J.R. Smith to the wall, and they never want to see him again. He's not Benjamin Stark. He's like the, the the brother on the wall that you just like don't. He's, he's like Al, one of Alistair Thorne's minions, basically. But like cooler i guess because he is jr smith but kevin love is a huge ally in colin sexton's development jr smith obviously is not was not kevin love certainly can be that for colin sexton he can be someone for sexton to lean on to learn from to grow from kevin love is someone that absolutely is just going to help colin sexton be better whenever they're on the floor together 
If you watched on Saturday, you saw how much less floor spacing Kyle Sexton has, for example, for his drive to the rim and his ability to get out and push is cut off at the knees when Kevin Love does not play. For Colin Sexton, not having a guy like Kevin Love, considering you know he's not like a bona fide Zion, early LeBron type prospect. Like Colin Sexton is like most young players where he needs positive infrastructure. He needs good teammates to help him get better. When you remove Kevin Love out of that, and his best teammate is like Tristan Thompson, who was good this year prior to the injuries and everything, that like is just going to hurt Colin Sexton's development. I don't, I don't think there's a way around that. It's not something that's going to hinder his whole career, but it's not going to help him be good in the here and now. When you can get him just that infrastructure, like it has benefits. Like I, I think Donovan Mitchell, for example, is incredible. Like he obviously is a star, and he, even though he's had like the regression a little bit this year, he's done some things lately that you're just like that dude's awesome. But he also came into a system where like they had Rudy Gobert, um, he had Ricky Rubio, he had Joe Ingles, who's way underrated. Like he had a really good coach in Quinn Snyder, Colin Sexton is not Donovan Mitchell. I'm not trying to say that. But like young players, even ones that are studs like Donovan Mitchell, benefit from that infrastructure, benefit from having good teammates around them. And without Kevin Love, um, as much as I like Jetty, as much as I like Tristan and Larry and a lot of the guys, and David Nawaba and guys that Cavs have, no one can really replicate what Kevin Love could provide. The numbers back this up too. Um, early data on these two in lineups is good. The starting lineup we've seen most often since Love has come back, that is Sexton, Brandon Knight, Jetty, Kevin Love, Ante Zizic, who didn't play Sunday, has been good. It's point. Uh, it's about positive 6.7 points per 100 possessions as a group. It has an elite free throw rate. It doesn't have a good turnover rate, but that's not unexpected considering he's a rookie point guard. It also, it also I think, has the luxury of putting Colin Saxon and Jetty out of central roles. So we're seeing a lot of these situations where Love is the feature. He's the one pushing the ball. He's the one kind of getting the, the initial touch. So defenses are focused on him, where, and then everyone else can work around him. And that creates more room, again, for Sexton to work on the edges, attack from different spots. I think we, I've liked that we've seen him get looks um, uh, from the corner for threes. He's not just being put at the top of the key and has to pull up or you know, just drive aimlessly. He's actually been giving situations where he can set up in the right spot or, or get a, a shorter corner three based on the kind of sets the Cavs are running. And again, Love can be used as a decoy too. Sexton pick and rolls with other players are going to be better because he can be uh, uh, he can suck people away from the from the rim, and that's going to help Colin Sexton and his speed really do some damage. And I think that that's just going to keep getting better as they get more comfortable with each other, as they get uh, better as a group, and we and we just see things kind of settle. And I think that's a really positive sign for Colin Sexton. I think a lot of these things too are by design because they're getting, they're putting Sexton into not necessarily a secondary role because he's sort of a secondary player on this group in general, but he's off ball and, and not just being like the bring up the ball guy all the time. And I think that's kind of interesting for how they might deploy him moving forward. If you're looking past this season and you're looking beyond like, these are the set of things that I've described already that are going to be good now. Moving forward, I think keeping Love around is going to be good for Sexton's development. Colin Sexton, like, can't figure this out all on his own. He needs someone like I think Kevin Love to help him run pick and rolls and to help him space the floor and to do other things. I've seen the Cavs this year, as of you, the listener, play without Kevin Love, and they were terrible. They are an atrocious, historically bad NBA team. I'm not sure they're good with Kevin Love. I still think... The Cavs were selling some Wolf tickets when they said, we're going to make the playoffs this year um, and, and all this stuff over the summer. But 
I think Kevin Love gives you a baseline that you of quality, at least on the offensive end, that you could not replace. I don't think, you know, maybe you get blown away by an offer this summer. Maybe, like, you get Kevin Love on the trade market and some team offers you, like, way more than you expected. I don't really even know what that is, so I'm not going to throw anything onto that. But if you're the Cavs and you deem that true, maybe you flip him then. But if you want to, like, help Colin Sexton, help Jetty, help whoever you're going to take in the draft, which, you know, it's not a guarantee you're getting his eye on or, or R.J. Barrett or someone that you feel can come in and, and be a, a lead option to some degree, or even if you do kind of think those guys can be the options, Kevin Kevin Love is going to help their development. Those guys cannot do it on their own. Colin Sexton, in particular, as we talk about him here, needs some support. He needs someone, I think, to really help him do what he's good at. Um, at least right now, maybe he takes a big leap in a year or two and we, and we see him kind of break out on his own. But right now, he clearly benefits on the film based on the stats, based on everything from having Kevin Love with him. And I think that should continue to happen going forward. It's a big thing to watch the rest of the year. The warm minutes they play together, I'm curious to see how those lineups are out. I'm going to do the similar breakdown tomorrow with a jetty. But for Colin Sexton, I think it's it's been huge. Jetty's had some more singular his own moments, while I think Colin has really, really benefited from Love and I'm curious to see how that partnership continues to grow. And I especially love how Kevin Love, who's like not fast, who's very slow, not fleet of foot, has really been the one to unlock sex and speed in a way we haven't seen anyone this year. And that is really good to see. So that's going to be it for today's show. Uh, we're going to be back. I'll be back tomorrow with a look at Jetty, a look at some other things going around with the Cavs right now. And uh, we'll get into just a whole bunch on Tuesday's show. If you have questions you want answered on our next mailbag, which is going to be Thursday, uh, please submit those to at LockedOnCavs on Twitter or to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. There's also a post up on the r backslash Cleveland Cavs page. I am not going to be able to watch uh, Cavs Nets this week due to a prior engagement, at least not watch it live. So if you could submit those questions, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts is going to guarantee that your question gets answered, so keep that in mind as well. And for the sword, check out David Davok's uh, two-for-one on this game. Check out Cup of Cavs, the daily news post I curate there. And also be on the lookout for the feature coming later this week uh, on something I think you hopefully will really enjoy. So thank you for listening. This has been Lockdown Cavaliers for Monday, March 4th. I'm Chris Manning. Find me on Twitter at CWMWrites. Cheers. Have a great Monday.